0: Hi there, plant people. Thank you for joining me in my backyard today. I am just so super excited this week because of how things have been going on in my backyard this past week. I gotta say, I am so very encouraged by this warmer weather. And walking around my garden this week, I've started to see some signs of life on some of the plants I thought might not make it through the freeze damage. All of my plants got pretty hard, uh, got hit pretty hard by our stupid winter storm a few weeks ago, so I am quite pleased that I'm starting to see some signs of life among my plants. And I can't tell you how, how happy I am that one of my all time favorite plants, my one and only lavender plant, I'm so happy that it has some green growth under the crispy, freeze-dried mess. Lavender is my all-time favorite plant. I just love it so much. I love it, but it does not really love it here in Taylor. It really, really struggles um, to grow. Um, Lavender just does not like our black clay soil at all. And, you know, we've been here 15 years or so, and I think I've probably planted lavender every single year since we moved to our house here in Taylor. And year after year, I have failed. They never come back. They just last one season. But a couple of years ago, I got a lavender plant um, along with two other lavender plants. And... Those two died, but this one actually survived, so I was completely overjoyed by having one lavender plant that has lasted this long. I mean, it's only been two years, but um, let me tell you, it's just been a huge struggle. Um, I don't even care that it looks kind of weird where it is, because it's off-center in one of my raised beds. Remember, I had planted two other ones, and... This one just happens to be in a weird spot, but it's happy, and it seemed very happy before the ice storm, Um, and it had been growing really well. It was probably 18 inches wide, but after the ice storm, I didn't think it looked too bad. I mean, lavender leaves are gray-green to begin with, so from a distance, they Um, the leaves on the lavender bush look pretty normal. I mean, it looked kind of droopy and a little thirsty looking, but it didn't turn all brown or get mushy like a lot of the other freeze damaged plants. But once I got up close to it and I checked it out, um, and I touched it, the leaves were just so brittle and, and crispy. (laughs) I didn't really have a whole lot of hope for it, but one day this week when I was walking past it, I caught a glimpse of green at the base of the plant, and sure enough, my beloved little lavender plant is still alive, and I am so, so thrilled that it's still alive. Another surprise I discovered this week um, were some little baby sugar snap peas, um that were poking through the soil i had planted these guys um uh, i don't know not quite two weeks um, before the ice um, it was a little more than a week i don't i don't remember um anyway they hadn't sprouted um up before the ice came so i assumed they were frozen in the ground but while i was out walking the garden beds i was so delighted to see that nearly all of those peas i had planted um, have started popping popping up through the soil. And now they're probably mm, inch and a half, two inches tall. And as long as temperatures stay nice and mild, I hope to have a few sugar snap peas before it gets too warm for them. I also noticed that my plum trees um, have started putting on buds and as, exciting as that is um, Really only time will tell if we get any blossoms or fruit this year. They are fairly young trees, but I was expecting them to um, Have some fruit on them this year yeah, you know, After the freeze, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see um, What's gonna happen with my plum trees? Some other good news we are officially past the last average frost date for Williamson County, and that means that it is generally safe to go ahead and plant our warm season plants like tomatoes and peppers outside, and we can also move our tropical plants outside too. Just keep an eye on the weather. I gotta be honest with you, I am not ready to start trusting the weather just yet. You know, springtime always makes me feel happy and optimistic about things, but that brutally cold Arctic blast that we got, I am apprehensive to say the least. You know, like (laughs) I look at my little baby pepper and tomato plants, and then I look out at the garden and think about the half a foot of snow that was on the beds, Um, and then I look back at my, my little plants and I pull my little s- my seedlings closer to me and I start thinking, well, you know, it wouldn't really hurt to wait another week before planting them. I don't know. I just look around the yard and I see all kinds of carefree plants just being happy and turning green and growing. And I think, I also think that maybe the weather might be okay. But all of those plants that are green and growing, um, Most of them are weeds, but they do seem very confident that nothing bad is going to happen to them anytime soon, so there's there's that. As far as the spring weeds go, I have cleavers and chickweed, dandelion, and henbit just all over the place. It's in my lawn, it's in my flower beds, it's in my garden beds. I think, really, they're the only green things in my yard. I've got Bermuda and St. Augustine grass in my yard. Um, And they are brown. They were brown and dormant before the snow and the ice and the freeze, but they shouldn't have a problem bouncing back once we get consistently warm weather. I'm not a lawn person, so I'm not too concerned about it, honestly. but I do know that lots of people enjoy a mostly weed-free lawn, so if you have some plants like henbit and chickweed popping up in your lawn, you can just mow them now. Cut them down, um, cut them real short so that um, the flowers um, don't set seed. Turf grasses are still dormant, so you won't be hurting them by mowing, but by cutting down the plants you consider weeds now will prevent more from popping up next year. Keeping weeds short also puts them at a disadvantage when your turf grass finally wakes up. A healthy lawn will be able to form a nice thick mat and choke out those weeds. Turf grass is great because it grows really thick and dense and a happy lawn will be very thick, so dense that most of the large weeds um, can't even get established. But these spring weeds that we have right now, they're taking advantage of our dormant lawns, and they are doing their thing right now, growing and flowering and setting seeds for next year. Typical turf grasses that we have here in Central Texas form dense mats and can grow so thick that they they chug out the weeds, like I said. But that really only happens when conditions are right. The most common types of turf grasses that we have here are Bermuda, Zoysia and St. Augustine. And as you might have guessed by their names, these grasses are actually native to more tropical and seaside areas. Here in Taylor and Central Texas, we don't have tropical or seaside um, climate. Since we're not in a tropical area, those turf grasses are going to need a lot more attention to maintain that nice thick mat that keeps the weeds down. And that's going to mean a lot more water and a lot more nutrients to keep them green and lush. Central Texas is, um, of course, you know, quite prone to extended drought and sometimes extreme drought conditions, so keeping those tropical grasses like Bermuda and St. Augustine alive is going to take a whole lot of water. And if you want to keep it green, you're going to have to supplement it with fertilizer, even after spending a lot of money and a lot of time watering and fertilizing it, you may still have weeds popping up. So I, you might be tempted um, to apply herbicide to keep out the plants with the tiny seeds like dandelions and chickweed. You know, personally, we don't use synthetic um, chemicals on our lawn here at my house or in my garden. So I'm not really a girl that can recommend those types of products like broadleaf herbicide or weed and feed sprays or that gross smelly bag stuff that you put into a spreader and broadcast all over your lawn. That's not our style so I can't make any recommendations on on what to use. I don't care for them because not only are those products expensive but they're also excessive there is way too much nitrogen in the synthetic lawn fertilizers. You know, grasses do really love nitrogen. Nitrogen provides um, the nutrient that causes leaf production, and grasses are, um, grass blades are really just leaves. But like all plants, they can only take in so much nutrients and all the excess is just going to drain away into the ground eventually find its way to the water table and i think that's gross <laughs> you know another thing that it causes other things um also to grow you know once it hits the water table and then it, it flows downstream well that can cause things like algaes in the water to bloom and then also um, non-native invasive plants that, um, come in contact with, um, waterways, if they have that excess nitrogen, you know, they can really take off, um, growing and become, um, extremely invasive and replace native, uh, native plants. So I just prefer to avoid synthetic products and stick to more simple ways to take care of my lawn. If you left your fall leaves on the ground, either left them whole or chopped them up with your uh, like a mulching mower, then you are in good shape if you're like me and you prefer a really low maintenance lawn. Those leaves spent all winter breaking down and decomposing and feeding the soil microbes. And this is really great for your lawn. Plus all those leaves were free and that's awesome um the because the grass is always um, will already have some extra nutrients when it breaks dormancy as it warms up and you didn't really have to do anything so a healthy lawn will grow nice and thick and suffocate out a lot of weeds but this really only works while the grass is actively growing our lawns are still dormant right now so we are seeing nice spring green weeds popping up and not a lot of green grass. The grasses are just now thinking about waking up and breaking dormancy, you know, our that freaky deep freeze may have tricked them, um, and they may be slow to bounce back this year, we'll just kind of have to wait and see, but if you do want to go ahead and help your lawn out this spring, you may consider aerating your lawn especially if you have an older, very well-established lawn. Healthy lawns grow thick and dense, even to the point where they are actually too thick and too dense. Choking out the weeds is a good thing, but if your lawn is too thick, then the roots are gonna suffer. Soil still needs air. The critters and the microbes that live in the soil also still need air. So that's where an aerator can help. Aerators are mechanical devices that puncture the soil and make holes in the grass without completely tearing up the lawn like um, a tiller would. The holes break up the thick mats of grass and dense roots. And then these holes um, give a little breathing room um, to your turf. Um, The holes allow for water and air to penetrate. If you have a small area You can just use like a garden fork and just poke holes in the grass down into the soil and kind of wiggle it around and make little holes. They also make um, rolling aerators that look um, like old-fashioned push mowers, but instead of cutting blades, they have scary spikes that kind of puncture the grass as you push it. They look like some sort of medieval torture device for lawns or Maybe like an eco-friendly punk rock lawn care thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But they also make um, aerating spike sandals that you can strap to your shoes and then you can stomp around your yard and put holes into your um, lawn. But honestly, from what I read, they are the least effective of the aerators. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Not only do they look ineffective, they're ugly. And I wouldn't wanna be stomping around my yard. Might be a fun show for the neighbors, but. Anyway, if you have <laughs> a large area that you want to aerate, you should look into hiring a landscape company to aerate your lawn, or you could rent an aerator. They have, they at the big box stores, They um they rent those. They have the, um, the ones that you can rent. They, they're like gas powered aerators and they actually take a plug of grass and soil out of your lawn. You just start it up and you push it over your lawn and then the aerator kicks out a uni- like uniform pellets of grass and dirt. Um, this is also called um, core aeration once your lawn is aerated you can spread some nice finished compost down you don't even need very much of it like an eighth of an inch of compost is all you need for your lawns to be happy and healthy through the growing season when we lived in um, southwest austin we lived in an hoa neighborhood and we had requirements on what our front lawns had to look like basically they had to be green and lush for nearly all of the year, including the worst of the summertime. So everybody in the neighborhood had to put um, quite a bit of effort into keeping their front lawns looking decent. Otherwise, um, somebody would turn you in, you'd get like uh, you'd get sent an ugly letter from the HOA, and they would berate you for <laughs> violating some stupid lawn rule that they had. I hated it. And I thought, and I still think the those were some freaking ridiculous <laughs> rules for lawns. But a couple of times the neighbors um got together in the springtime and they booked a company to come aerate all of our front yards and then spread a layer of compost. Um, they would do like do it like all in one day. And it was kinda like at this group rate thing and I have to say though that the one time that we participated in that, um, our little lawn, um, actually did pretty good, so Definitely, if you are into lawns and you want chemical-free um, lawn care, then check out aeration. You are listening to Plow and Hose Radio and podcast on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, please stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page. You know, give a like, follow it, and share it with all your plant curious friends and family. Feel free to send me a note or a picture. I would love to see your gardens and plants. Be sure to stick around after Plow and and check out The Ragged Edge with Richard Stone, a show that focuses on local issues including politics and events and culture. All right, well, all of this talk about lawns and managing weeds, I wanna switch gears and talk a little bit about the good things about these spring weeds. Dandelions, henbit, chickweed, they are actually all important um, sources of nectar for pollinating insects. These plants are some of the very few options for bees and flying insects during the late winter and early spring. Um, they bloom before all of the other blossoms do henbit is pretty cool I think it's pretty cool Um, it has a little purple flowering um, it's a little purple flowering plant and it has like scalloped edged leaves not only does it provide nectar for long-tongued bees like honeybees and bumblebees its purple tube-shaped flower also attracts robber flies Uh, Robber flies they look a whole lot like bees they're yellowish and blackish and they have a bit of fuzz and you may have never even noticed them being any different than bees and that's probably why they're called um, bee flies sometimes. These robber flies are beneficial insects they are a bit parasitic. What they do is they lay their eggs in the soil or on plants. And as their larvae grow, they feed on organic matter. And they also feed on other insect larvae that happen to be in the neighborhood, like grubs or cutworms or grasshopper eggs. Adult rubber flies eat Beetles and grasshoppers, leafhoppers, and they'll even eat wasps. So, by leaving the hen bit for the honeybees, you're also going to attract robber flies, and when you do, you're also reducing other nuisance insects that are bad for your plants. If you enjoy bitter greens like radicchio, endive, or arugula, you know, try picking some young, tender dandelion leaves and adding them to your salad bowl or you could like toss them in a saute pan with some olive oil and then give them a good squeeze of fresh lemon. All the parts of the dandelion are edible, including the roots and the flowers. If you are planning to pull up your dandelions anyway, you know, don't just throw them away or toss them into your compost pile. Look for ways to use them in your kitchen. Dandelions are full of all kinds of nutrients, vitamins and minerals, and they have been a staple plant for herbalists who use them for herbal medicine. Dandelion greens are high in vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin K. They're rich in iron, magnesium, and a good source of calcium. The roots are high in fiber, and you know, they're supposed to be good for digestion and supporting your liver. Personally, I find dandelions too bitter to enjoy. But I also find coffee way too bitter and joy. But if you're curious and you want to try tasting dandelions, now is a really great time to harvest them because they are all over the place. So do a little research and try a dandelion recipe or two. If you have a whole lot of dandelion, yellow dandelions, then... You know, pick those, maybe you can make yourself some dandelion jelly or some syrup, or you can even use them to flavor homemade wine. My rabbits really love dandelions, and now that it's warmed up, that's become one of my um, favorite after work things I like to do with my little boy. We go outside and we'll pull up dandelions to feed to our bunnies. Another spring weed that is going nuts right now (laughs) is chickweed. Chickweed is that bright green weed with small little leaves and tiny, tiny white daisy-looking flowers. I think it is a sweet little plant. I know a lot of folks don't like it because it pops up everywhere you don't want it, like in garden beds. Fortunately, it has a very shallow root system and it pulls up really easily. If you are interested in herbal medicine, chickweed is also one of the plants that is considered a very healing herb. It's used more for external uses like skin issues and um, healing wounds and whatnot. My mom likes to keep a little jar of chickweed salve at, um, at home, um, and but it's really easy to make. All you have to do is like gather and rinse and chop a few handfuls of chickweed. Let the chickweed dry out a little bit, like overnight. Overnight would be good, let let it dry out a little bit. Measure your wilted chickweed and mix it with an equal amount of neutral cooking oil, olive oil, grapeseed oil, most any vegetable oil with a long shelf life will do. You can put the oil and the chickweed in a blender if you want to and whirl it around and that will really break down um, the chickweed but you don't have to do that. You can definitely skip that part. Chickweed salve has been around for hundreds of years, a lot longer than electricity and blenders. So don't feel like you have to mess up the blender to make chickweed salve. Next, you'll put your chickweed and oil mixture into a pan and like set it up as a double boiler. Um, Slowly warm your oil mixture and let the oil and the chickweed infuse for several hours and don't let it get too hot. And don't leave it unattended. You want it warm, not hot. Um, the warmth is gonna help draw out all the good stuff out of the chickweed. Um, and if you if you heat it up too much, you'll cook it and kind of stop that process. But <coughs> if you don't wanna mess with the stovetop, an, eas- an even easier way to infuse um, your chickweed is to place it the chickweed and the oil mixture into a crop pot. Just turn that on low and let it infuse for several hours. When the oil takes on a nice green color, you can strain away the chickweed. Once you have your chickweed oil, you can add melted beeswax and blend that together and make a nice healing salve that is good for soothing lots of skin issues like bud bites or abrasions or other skin conditions. Basically, you want five parts chickweed oil to one part melted beeswax. You could also add um, a few drops of lavender or essential oil or tea tree oil if you wanted to. The oil and the beeswax um, is also going to provide a moisture barrier between your skin and the air, and it can help your skin retain moisture, too. I like to do crafty things like that. I like to make homemade infusions and salves and all that. I don't know. Maybe I was like a pioneer woman in a previous life. Beats me. Anyway, chickweed has a great reputation for its healing properties. And if you have it in your yard, it's free. So why not try to make some salve with it? All right. I completely want to change the subject now and spend the last part of the show talking about brand new garden beds. uh, Springtime in Texas is my absolute favorite time of the year. It's so pleasant outside and I know the wildflowers will be blooming soon and it's just a nice time of the year with nature just coming back to life in a big, big way. This sunshine and the warmth, plus all the things starting to bud and green up. There's a lot of folks thinking things like, this is the year I'm gonna do a garden, and I absolutely love that. I think everyone should try to cultivate some plants, either for food or for beauty, or just for the challenge of doing it, just knowing how how to grow plants. So, if you are wanting to add a raised bed this year, or you know maybe you're going to help um, someone else with their gardening goals, you know let's do it. Let's let's put in a new bed. There's just a few considerations for starting a new bed, mainly revolving around placement. Will your new bed get enough sun? And is it convenient to your water source? Everything else is flexible adjustable and fixable. Even if the space you select gets too much sun, you can erect some sort of afternoon shade, but if it doesn't get enough sun, you will just struggle trying to add more sunlight. So select a site carefully. Access to water is also an important consideration. You can adapt by adding hose extensions um, to make it easier to water, but the closer you are to the water, the easier gardening will be for you. The more convenient your new bed is, the more successful um, you will be. This is especially true if you are a new gardener setting up your first bed. There's a lot to be said for proximity and convenience, and I think that holds true for lot of things in life once you have your location in mind for your new bed it's just a matter of deciding what size it's going to be and the framing material for your raised bed so decide if you want to frame your bed with like wood or landscape blocks or even straw bales it's totally up to you but filling the raised bed will be the easiest part first you need to decide if you want to remove the grass in the bottom of your bed or not that's it's called scalping it you just take that top layer of grass off and then you have bare soil at the bottom or if you don't want to do that you may decide that you want to smother it with a barrier like landscaping fabric weed block Layers of cardboard, you could even use um, leftover cement board or anything that will prevent invasive turf grasses from growing in your bed. Bermuda grass is a jerk. (laughs) It is really aggressive and it's hard to control. If you have Bermuda grass in a spot where you want to install um, your new raised bed, you might want to seriously consider scalping the grass, removing it, and adding a barrier. Bermuda grass is awful and it can quickly take over a flower bed and take root in a news ra- new raised bed once you have your border or your edging or your framing in place you are ready to fill your new bed with soil you have some options you could stick with a traditional raised bed mix where the entire bed is filled um with soil you could purchase bagged or bulk raised bed mix and fill um, the whole thing with it that is probably the easiest way or you could also buy topsoil and compost and some other soilless um, amendment and mix up your own ra- raised bed mix this way you have a little more control over what's in your bed I don't think that you're going to save a whole lot of money if that's a concern but if you want to mix your own soil i think that's great because you're going to know exactly what you put in it and if for some reason you have a problem um, you'll be able to um, do some research and address how to correct your soil issues so for central texas a good formula for a make your own DIY raised bed mix is 50% topsoil, 40% compost, and 10% soilless growing mix. Um, Something that has like peat moss or core fiber, maybe some bark, sand, perlite, or vermiculite. The topsoil, it can be just the cheapest that you can find because you're going to be adding um, compost and that's going to enrich the topsoil. And then those other amendments that you want to add, those are going to help keep your raised bed mix light and airy, and it's going to help improve water retention, but also drainage. You might want to consider lasagna gardening um, to fill your new raised bed. This style of gardening is very, very flexible, and you can save a lot of money if you're patient and it, and if you have a good stash of compostable materials already on hand like cardboard and leaves and paper kitchen scraps. Lasagna gardening is super easy and it makes the most of things that would normally get hauled off by the garbage truck. You build your bed just like a pan of lasagna, layers of different ingredients. So you just set up a raised bed. You can put larger compostable items at the bottom, like branches, even logs. Those can go at the very base. And then you just start alternating layers of topsoil, cardboard, newspaper, kitchen scraps, leaves, paper from your shredder. Even old ratty clothes, as long as they're um, 100% natural fibers like cotton or linen or even wool, those all can go into a lasagna garden. Adding um, some finished compost between the layers is also gonna help all the non-soil layers decompose. So be sure to add some compost to your lasagna bed. Throughout the growing season, All that material is going to slowly break down and eventually you'll have really nice soil all the way to the bottom of the bed. But you don't have to wait on your lasagna bed to be perfectly decomposed. As long as the top six to eight inches are made up of a nice raised bed mix, mostly topsoil and compost, you can plant Um, in it this year so that that top layer needs to be the good stuff you can have all the other layers of garbage um lower in your bed but if you decide to do that um i would stick to more shallow rooted plants um like beans or basil some of those annual herbs and kind of the warm season greens All right, I gotta start wrapping up the show. I am still really, really excited about springtime. I am very optimistic about my garden this year. Sure, just like you, I lost some plants to the freeze, but at least there was a really good reason and they didn't just die of neglect. Um, But that is behind us now and we can focus on all the new plants that we can nurture now. Thank you for joining me today.